Well, I hope you're having a good week, despite of, you know, some of you probably encouraged because Biden was elected and some of you are discouraged because, because Trump was not elected. And so I just want to encourage you to uh, remember that our hope is not in our political system. It never has been. It's great, we, you know, that if, you get, if your person gets voted in, because they're going to solve all the problems. Uh, uh, it seems like every year we end up with this, having, somehow we're always talking about the same problems. I don't know why they're, you know, so. And I want you to remember something. While the church was under its greatest persecution is when it grew the most. Church in China is still under tremendous persecution, and they're still just people are coming to Christ because they see the emptiness of the system. Maybe, maybe, maybe uh, us being the richest nation in the world has not prepared us truly to be committed followers of Christ. And maybe there is a season of difficulty coming. Some people have said, does, does this mean the Lord's coming back? Absolutely. If you've, I don't know if you've missed this, but Jesus said it. He was coming back soon. Now, soon's a relative term. He is, Jesus is always about to come back. You understand that? Because we're living, in, we're living in the age when Jesus could return. The apostles believed it. The first century Christians believed it. The second, when they saw Jerusalem collapse, when they saw Jerusalem in 70 AD be destroyed and, and a lot of the book of Revelation fulfilled in 70 AD, those early Christians said, all right, this is it, this is it. It, and it's, we live that way. We live in the this is it. We live, we live with the expectation of any moment, and yet we also live realizing that we don't know how long it's going to be. So we carry on with business till he comes. Uh, two new members that we want to talk about today, Kina and Fernando Loya, that have become members of the church. Thank you so much. And uh, because we have the business meeting in the middle here, uh, I'm going to try to get going here. We're starting a new series today called, called Overcoming Life's Obstacles. Uh, I, would just, I would just begin to think about this scripture. This scripture was in my mind for several months and how it operates in our life. Uh, in Mark chapter 11, verse 22 and 23, uh, Jesus answered them saying, have faith in God. Truly I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, be taken up and cast into the sea and does not doubt in his heart, but believes that what he says is going to happen, it will happen. I thought about that. I think I think there, was a lot of, there are a lot of mountains in our way, a lot of mountains that get in our way that are not physical mountains. When we think about Jesus removing a mountain, I think we think, well, okay, here is, you know, Mount Everest. It's going to move over uh, to another place, out of Nepal into, you know, really being China, whatever. We think of moving a physical mountain. I think that some of the greatest mountains that we face are not out there on the horizon, but they're in us. That we need to be able to say, by faith in the name of Jesus to this mountain, be removed and be cast into the sea. We need, let's be done. There's things in our life that we need to be done with. I mean, this, this mountain's not, it's like, this mountain is obliterated. You know what I'm saying? It's like it's removed and cast into the sea. It's not like, it's like we moved it two inches, so we, now, it's, you know, now our view's better. Uh, it's, it's obliterated. It's removed out of the picture. So how do we, you know, 
how do we remove these things out of the picture? I, so I think there's mountains inside of us. There's mountains of fear and anxiety. There's mountains of rejection and comparison. Uh, there's mountains of unforgiveness and discouragement. Uh, there's fear and anxiety. And then there's another kind of fear that's a loss of courage. The fear has several dimensions and faces, so that we're afraid to take risk. First John 4, 4, John says, you're from God, little children, and you have overcome them because greater is he who is in you than who he was in the world. He's saying, hey, remember who you're from. You are from God. First John 5, 4, for whatever is born of God overcomes the world, and this is the victory that overcomes the world, our faith. So God wants you to be an overcomer. Thank you, Mike. He wants you to overcome the mountains in your life that are keeping you from moving into the place that God wants you to be. So it's, you think of it as an obstacle, a mental obstacle that keeps you from moving into the promise of God so that you cannot, you're not fully overcoming in those areas. Today I want to talk about fear and anxiety and worry. Worry, anxiety, and fear are all the same thing experienced on different levels. Fear is a negative emotion caused by a perceived, a real or perceived threat to our well-being. Fear is experienced on different, le- different levels. You've got poodle fear and pit bull fear. This, uh, this, on Friday, we, we met some friends down in Waco, uh, and uh, we were walking in a parking area, and I'd taken my, my little dog with me. She weighs like 11, 12 pounds. She's not a big dog. Uh, but she's a Jack Russell. She thinks she's a big dog. She doesn't know how big she is. So we're, uh, we're, I'm just walking her because we've been riding the car a while and waiting. Tina and, and our, our friends are shopping. And so uh, it was a good excuse not to shop. I'll walk the dog. And walking past this row of cars, and I got to the last car in, in, the, in the last pickup that I got past. Just as I got aligned with it, a pit bull raised up and looked over the tailgate. My immediate response was I began to back up. I didn't, didn't turn around and run, but I began to just, okay, we're not going to go past the pit bull. Now, if it had been a poodle, I'd have probably been okay with it. Because I, my, Tim, who was up here just a few minutes ago, he was, Tim was several years ago, was thoroughly mauled by a pit bull. So because of that, so that, those are different levels of fear. We have different levels of fear based on, you know, what we're facing. Our fear can rise and fall based on, you know, the, how intense we feel like it is. Anxiety is to be uneasy and nervous about a person, place, or event because I can't control it. And, and anxiety in the same way is experienced in different intensities. You have, you, you've got sports anxiety. I mean, uh, you have, let's say you go to a sporting event and you want your team to win and your weight, you know, you know, no one, no team probably, you know, and has created more anxiety. All sports teams win and lose, but the Cowboys always lose in a way that creates more anxiety. Because they, they're notorious for getting almost to getting in touchdown range and then not being able to go the last three yards. You know, march down the field, go 50 yards, just like boom, 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 and then not be able to cross the goal line. 
And then, wait, you know, then they always have to be saved at the last minute by some Hail Mary, you know, from Roger Staubach to today. That's, all, that's been the cowboy motive. It, it, that's what it required. So, you know, sports causes you a level of anxiety. You know, even if you're going to watching your little kids play soccer or baseball or football or, or you know, one of the myriad of thousands of things that they do, uh, you're watching them. There's this anxiety as you watch them, and you have to always remind yourself this. Sometimes you guys need to remind yourselves, this is a game. You know, just in the middle of it, this is a game. I, I have to do that myself. Even I get anxiety in movies because I have the ability to enter into the movie. I'm just, when I'm watching, I am 100% there. I am in the movie. If, so that's why I don't do scary movies. I don't do any kind of scary movies, movies that even suspenseful movies give me anxiety. So I have to tell, but I will, so like I'm in the movie theater and it's, it's an anxious thing. It's called, then I look up at the scene and say, I'm in a movie theater. This isn't real. This, I just, I just have to talk myself out of it. So, you know, that, so that's not real anxiety, but you feel it. So you have sports anxiety, but then there's the anxiety that they've announced layoffs. That's a different level of anxiety, isn't it? One is, you know, it's about a game. It's, it's going to be over pretty soon. The other is, oh, this is, may affect me for a long time. Worry is different. Worry is to mentally dwell on difficulty. I lost it. Or trouble. It is a chronic concern. In other words, it's something that just keeps nagging at you. It doesn't have to be big. It can be small. It can be from the weather to literally we can worry about everything else. Jesus said you can worry about food and you can worry about clothing. I mean, worry can encompass every aspect of life if you're not careful. So how do we deal with it? Worry can become anxiety and fear, and fear can subside and become worry and anxiety. So worry can worsen and become anxiety and fear, and fear can abate, it can lessen, and become just anxiety and worry. And Jesus often, this is not something that's not talked about in the Bible. Jesus often talks about worry and anxiety in the Bible, Matthew 6, 25. Jesus says, for this reason I say to you, do not be worried about your life as to what you will eat, or what you will drink, nor for your body as to what you will put on, is not life more than food and the body more than clothing. Matthew 6, 34. So don't worry about tomorrow. That's a whole different, you know, that one thing is to worry about food and clothing. To worry about tomorrow is a whole different kind of worry, right? Don't worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will take care of itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. So we're commanded by Jesus in the scripture repeatedly not to worry, to be anxious, or to be fearful. We're commanded. God would not command us to do something that we cannot do. I mean, when he says to us, love your neighbors yourself, he's not saying, I know this is impossible, but I'm going to ask you to do it anyway. It, it may be impossible on our own strength. He never asks us to do anything in our own strength. That's the reality. You may think, well, I can't do that. Well, okay, you can't, but he can. So he's never asking us to do it in the strength that we have in our own ability because obviously we all struggle in these areas. He's saying, in the strength that I give, I'm commanding you. So 
we know we can do it because he's commanded us. The command to fear not is the most common command in the Bible. I read somewhere that there's 365 fear nots in the Bible. It's like there's a fear not for every day of the year. As much as you know the presence of God by peace, you know the presence of the enemy by fear. Satan is always selling fear. If you're listening to the world system, the world system is selling fear. Both sides, all sides, every side. Democrats, Republicans, Fox, CNN, they're all selling fear. That's the main ingredient. Oh, it's, you know, if they get in control, it's going to be horrible. Oh, if they get in control, it's going to be horrible. It's going to be the end of, of America as we know it. Everybody's selling fear. Satan is trying to sell fear to you. Philippians 4, 6, Jesus, Paul says in Philippians, this one, Jesus, this is Paul. Be anxious for nothing. It sounds better if you say nothing. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything, by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all comprehension, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ. Did you know that anxiety is the number one reason for sickness and disease? One in ten Americans are on anxiety meds. So that, you know what that means? It means some of y'all are on anxiety meds. Now here's what I, you know, I'm not saying you shouldn't be on anxiety meds, but what I want you to recognize about anxiety meds, and you may not realize this, anxiety meds work really good for about two weeks. And then you begin diminishing returns to where you either have to take more meds you have to take a larger quantity, or you have to take them more often. In other words, it involves more medication. It's anxiety meds, though helpful for the short term. I'm not trying to tell you to not take anxiety meds. Don't tell me, say that pastor told us not to take medicine. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying, I'm just saying you need to know. It's not a long-term cure. Your body will, in a period of time, create a resistance to that and you'll need something else something different they'll have to change your meds they'll have to try something else you need a better cure than a pill the number one reason for medications the number one reason for medication so the number one re reason for medications is stress and anxiety the number one reason for doctor's visits is stress and anxiety it literally shortens your life. They have done research. It literally shortens your life to be anxious. Why are we anxious? Well, Jesus ties our anxiety and our worry into understanding that we have a loving Heavenly Father. Your Heavenly Father loves you, and He loves being your Father. Matthew 6, 32. Now, Jesus is talking about worry and anxiety. And he says, for the, for the Gentiles eagerly seek all these things. For your heavenly Father knows that you need all these things. 
Jesus is saying in the context of worry and anxiety, your heavenly Father knows that you need these things. I, I love being a dad. I love being a father. And as much as I love being a father, being a grandfather is the icing on the cake. I mean, everybody's going to tell you that. I'm, if you're, I'm sorry if you're just a father. I understand, you know, because I was just a father for a long time. I began to pressure my kids to have, you know, children so that I could be a grandfather. You get, you know, you start getting, playing dirty games, trying to pressure them to have children. I love my kids. I, I, I enjoyed being a parent. There were, <laughs> there were rough seasons where I, if I could have resigned, I would have. Or if I could have traded them in, I might have. But I, I love my kids. They, they, they were a delight. They're still a delight in their, you know, as they're grown. I still delight. I still, one of my most favorite things is to be with my kids. So, and I love my grandchildren. Etta, oh, she's got my heart. That little cotton-headed ninny-mugging, I mean, that hair everywhere, out of control. Uh, everything about her, she can't talk well yet. She's, you know, she's delayed in her speech. And, oh, gosh, it, it just makes you love her more. Uh, I just love her. And then Lincoln, then Lincoln came along, my little grandson, the Landon from Logan and Schuyler. And, oh, gosh, he, he is just a, he's a boy. And he is like into everything. Is and and you just you know, and he's just cute. He's just he's cuter than your kids. I'm telling you. <laughs> and then uh, Elias, Elias, then my newest. He was right here on the first row this morning, you know. And Elias, you know, and how how you know? I mean, you'd you'd sell your car for a smile. I mean, you know, all you get a smile for your grandkids. It's it's amazing. And uh, we've got one on the way that's going to be called Byron. So, you know, I'm calling him Byron-to-be. He's on his way. I'm going to love him too. It's, it is my joy. It is my joy to love my children, help them when they call me. If my kids call me in the middle of the night and say, Dad, my car is broken down. Go get the trailer. I'm not going to say, call a tow truck. I'm going to go pick, get my car hauler, and I'm going to go pick them up wherever they are in the middle of the night, what, whatever it is. But compared to God, you and I are evil. Did you know that? If, if you being evil know how to give good gifts, how much more your heavenly Father, He knows everything about you, he cares about everything about you. I mean, the Bible even gives this illustration. The very hairs on your head are numbered. That doesn't mean they're counted. It means, look, you took a shower and you say, well, there went 27, 893, and 455. How intimate is that? You don't know that. Every aspect of your life. What's it saying? It's saying that God is so crazy about you. The root issue of fear and worry and anxiety is an orphan spirit. It is an orphan mindset. 
And it's not understanding and believing how much God loves you. So since you don't believe God loves you and you don't believe he's going to take care of you, you're fearful. Worry and anxiety are not normal for a Christian. It's common. We excuse it, but it's not normal. It robs me of my peace. It robs me from enjoying God. It, in, it robs me from enjoying my family. You can be have, your family be, can be having a great life, and you can let one little worry, fear, anxiety keep you from being able to be at peace with your family and be with them and enjoy being with them because you're being eaten alive by worry, fear, and anxiety. And so it ruins your time with them, and it ruins your time with God. Worry and anxiety exists because we allow it. Because God would never command us to do something that we don't have the ability to do. We have the ability to not worry and not be fearful and not be anxious. So, how do we overcome fear and anxiety? Number one, number one, consider them agents of the enemy to destroy you of your life and rob you of your joy. Consider them. It's, this is not, this is, oh, this is just the way I am. Oh, I just can't help it. Yes, you can, because that's not your nature. That's your old nature. That's not your new nature. You have a divine nature. You have the nature of Christ. You have a redeemed nature, a saved nature. You, you're not who you were, so you need to say, that's who I was, but now I'm not going to allow that. The enemy has implanted something in your mind and life, and it's robbing you of your family, your faith, your freedom, and your joy. 2 Corinthians 10.5 says this really well. We are destroying speculations and every lofty thing raised up against the knowledge of God. We are taking every thought captive through Christ. Number two, turn every anxious and worrisome thought into prayer until victory. Philippians 4, 6, and 7. I'm sure you're familiar with this. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all comprehension, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. How many things are we supposed to worry about? Be anxious for nothing. (laughs) Not one thing. Don't be anxious about one thing. So what do you do? You pray your worries. You know, have you noticed that when you pray, your mind wanders? That's what you should be praying about. (laughs) If you're praying, and while you're praying, you start worrying about other things, make that your prayer. Your worry list is your prayer list. Don't be anxious for anything, but instead, by prayer. Number two, prayer and supplication. By prayer and supplication. What is supplication? Supplication is anything that helps you in your prayers. Prayer and fasting. Does that help you in prayer? The Bible tells us it does. What does fasting do? It doesn't twist God's arm. Fasting tunes you like a radio to what the radio waves of God. You know, we sit in this room, we're being bombarded by thousands of different radio frequencies, either both man-made here on earth and from space. So we're being bombarded by radio waves. Nobody can hear the radio going right now, but we could tune a radio in this room right now and hear all, 
hundreds of stations. And that's all, that's all, that's what fasting does. It doesn't, you don't, you don't think, well, I've been really hungry, so God, you owe me now. You know, we, we, some, that, and that's how we think about fasting is I'm going to barter with God. I'm going to fast and then God's going to have to answer my prayer. I had somebody tell me, you know, I, they they'd had some trouble with their car. I said, I just don't understand it. I just don't understand it. I, I don't understand that I had trouble with my car. I've been fasting for two weeks. He's like, oh, so I mean, what were you, you, you weren't fasting to get closer to God. You were fasting for car repair. I mean, come on. So fasting is powerful, but fasting is, 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 prepares our heart to hear God. Amen. Fasting is all about tuning, your, tuning you to God's frequency so that you can hear what God is saying. Worship. Worship helps me, helps me with anxiety. Worship helps me pray. Worship helps me in my prayer. Prayer and worship. Oh. I was just thinking that I was just thinking today uh, about worship and how glorious it is have this opportunity you know heaven's not gonna be all just worship heaven's not gonna be one long church service I hope you get that but heaven but we get glimpses of some of heaven's worship services and here's what I want you to get about heaven's worship services they're all intense whether it's Ezekiel and the wheel and the wheel or Jeremiah and the coal of fire or, wh- or whether it's the book of Revelation and they're singing worthy is the lamb and they're throwing their crowns on the ground at the feet of Jesus and there's, there's a lightning effects and there's smoke filling the room. Uh, you know, people are coughing, it's bothering them. But you know, no. Uh, it's incredible. But here's, here's what, I want you to get something about it. And I just want to throw this out there. When... Are you going to get passionate about God? Are you going to, you think it's going to kick in in heaven? You think that your intensity is going to increase when you step into the threshold of heaven? When did we enter the kingdom? We entered the kingdom when we came under the rule of the king. So I I would encourage you, I would encourage you to think about releasing your passion towards God like you would maybe release it towards a sport event, but even that's not really real. When are you going to get passionate about what God's done for you? Worship helps me pray. And when I, the worship just brings things into perspective for me. It was the cutest thing this morning. You may not have seen it. Little Levi Perry is here on the second row. They're holding during the worship service, and he he started hollering and singing. He was he was entering in. He's you know what's he what, five months six months reading scripture. So if that help you read scripture, read scripture to pray, prayer and supplication, journaling, when Thanksgiving. He says, so with prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, as I pray, so one of the things you want to do is I pray. As I pray, I'm thanking him because he loves me and he hears me and is answering my prayer. I'm thanking him. As I'm praying, I'm thanking him. Jesus said, Father, I thank you that you hear me. Jesus, I thank you that according to your word, (laughs) it's not because how I feel, 
But according to your word, I thank you that you hear me. And so we, we interject with our prayers. We, we come at our prayers with thanksgiving. Lord, I'm thankful that you're taking care of me. I'm thankful that you hear me. I believe you're going to answer this prayer, and I'm thankful for that, Lord. And what you have to be careful of is don't, not to be thankful in your prayer and then leave and take that prayer back out of the hands of God by complaining. You ever do that? You know, that's why First Peter says, you know, casting all your cares upon him because he cares for you. You know, you need to learn how to throw stuff away and then not take it back. Yeah, I, you know. And so, so we pray to God and then we complain to people. Now, what the Bible calls that is a double-minded man. Hebrew says, don't let the double-minded man think that he will receive anything from God. God is not going to give you a complaint. But he will answer prayer. You need to decide which one you think is best. And stop doing the other one. We need to stop complaining. Ooh, quiet. Very quiet. Father, I think that you hear me. You see, so we go, I want to go back to this. The root, of, the root of all worry, anxiety, and fear is an orphan spirit or mindset. Orphans are on their own. When I say spirit, some of that may throw you off, but it, sometimes it is a spirit that is involved in our life. And a lot of times it's, you know, it's, it's not demonic, but we believe the lies of the enemy. So if you believe the, the lies of the enemy, you might as well be demon-possessed, right? If you believe a lie that the enemy has told you, it's, you just don't have a demon inside of you. Right? Two of you agree. Okay. So... Here's, so, so you've got a great dad. You are, you are a loved child of God. You have the best father of, in the universe. Stop grieving over the father you didn't have and start rejoicing over the father you do have. He loves being your daddy, and he loves helping you. Now, if Jeff Bezos was your daddy, you'd never worry about money again. Would you? Right? Your daddy could buy Jeff Bezos a billion times over with the money that fell in the sofa cushions. Think about this. I read about this this week. There's an asteroid that is out in the, in the asteroid belt uh, that's 175 miles across. One asteroid. It's just, and it's basically, it's a giant ball bearing. It's, it's iron one asteroid, 150, 175 miles across. They say that one asteroid is worth 25 times the world economy. <laughs> one, one iron asteroid is worth 25 times the world economy. Our daddy's rich. And so that should give us peace. He has the ability to take care of you. And he will often go to amazing means to take care of you. i got to wrap this up because of the business meeting. And the peace that passes understanding. God wants you to have the peace that passes understanding. He wants you to have stupid peace. Because it doesn't make sense. He says it's the peace that passes understanding. It's like you shouldn't even have peace. You should be 
in anxiety and worried and wringing your hands, oh, what are we going to do? What are we going to do? But instead, instead you're not worried. You don't have anxiety. You're not saying, what are we going to do with it? You're saying, oh, what is God going to do? Oh, I wonder how God's going to fix this. What is God going to do? You need to pray enough until you get the peace. You need, he says, pray so that you have the peace of God that passes understanding. We used to call this in the good old days, we call this praying through. What does that mean? You keep praying until you stop worrying. You, you, you keep praying until you're through praying because you're through because you have entered into the peace of God. The word means guard. It's a Greek word that means to set a guard around your heart. So when you pray and get the peace of God, the peace of God then sets a military guard around your heart and your mind by your prayer. Number three, uh, we, by faith we believe and confess that God is your loving dad and he'll always care for you. For some of you, it's more difficult because of the way you were raised and because of your circumstances in life. Lord, once you understand how much you're loved. Don't worry then saying what we'll eat or what we drink, what we wear for clothing for your... The Gentiles eagerly seek these things, but your heavenly Father knows what you need, that you need all these things. So here's what I need to close with this. Make a decision in your life not to normalize anxiety, worry, and fear not to rationalize it and excuse it in your life, to realize that God's commanded me. I have been commanded by the Lord Jesus Christ to trust in my heavenly Father and to not worry. And you need to make a decision because it's a, right? He's commanded us to do it. If you'll make the decision, then God will give you the ability to do it. But you have to begin walking that way. I mean, how do you walk? You take one step after the other. God won't push you 10 steps. You've got to take a step. He won't violate your will. He's, he's, but he's going he's to empower you and strengthen you. But you've got to say, listen, I'm going to quit excusing that. We're saying, well, that's the way I am. It's not the way you are. It's the way you were. And so we need to let that go. And, and I believe that God wants to break in you, some of you, whatever age you are and wherever you are, he wants to break that orphan spirit so that you can realize and fully embrace your loving Heavenly Father and realize how much he loves you. Amen. Let's stand. Thank you, Jesus. Lord, help us, not, help us to depend upon you. Help us to realize that worry is sin because it's not a faith. It's saying we don't trust you enough. We don't believe you're going to take care of us. We don't believe your word is true. We don't believe, we don't believe you're going to come through in the end. So, Father, help us to lay aside worry and anxiety and fear and put our trust in you. Lord, I pray for those people here today that have an orphan mindset because of the circumstances in their life that have brought them to a place where they don't trust their daddy. But we've got a new heavenly father to supplant everything that the enemy stole from us in Jesus Christ. And we receive that healing. Lord, we ask you for healing of our mindset and our minds in Jesus' name.
Amen.